0: Amazing, fascinating stories of inventions, ideas and innovations. Yes, this is the podcast about the things that have helped to shape our lives. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. 50 Things That Made The Modern Economy with Tim Harford Amazon Alphabet, Alibaba, Facebook, Tencent. Five of the world's ten most valuable companies by the summer of 2019. All under 25 years old. And all got rich, in their own ways, on data. No wonder it's become common to call data the new oil. As recently as 2011, five of the top ten were oil companies. Now only ExxonMobil clings on. The analogy isn't perfect. Data can be used many times, oil only once. But data is like oil in that the crude, unrefined stuff isn't much use to anyone. You have to process it to get something valuable. Diesel to put in an engine, insights, to inform a decision. Decisions such as which advert to insert in a social media timeline, which search result to put at the top of the page. Imagine you were asked to make just one of those decisions. Someone is watching a video on YouTube, which is run by Google, which is owned by Alphabet. What to suggest she watches next? Peak her interest, and YouTube gets to serve her another advert. Lose her attention and she'll click away. You have all the data you need. Look at all the other YouTube videos she's ever watched. What is she interested in? Now look at what other users have gone on to watch after this video. Weigh up the options. Calculate probabilities. If you choose wisely, and she views another ad, well done. You've earned Alphabet all of... maybe 20 cents? clearly relying on humans to process data would be impossibly inefficient. These business models need machines. In the data economy, power comes not from data alone, but from the interplay of data and algorithm. In the 1880s, a young German-American inventor tried to interest his family in a machine to process data more quickly than humans could manage. he designed it but now he needed money to test it. Picture something that looks a bit like an upright piano, but instead of keys, it has a slot for cards, about the size of a dollar bill, with holes punched in them, facing you are 40 dials, which may or may not tick upwards after you insert each new card. Herman Hollerith's family didn't get it. Far from rushing to invest, they laughed at him. Hollerith evidently did not forgive. He cut them off. His children were to grow up with no idea they had relatives on their father's side. Hollerith's invention responded to a very specific problem. Every ten years, the US government conducted a census. That was nothing new. Governments through the ages have wanted to know who lives where and who owns what to help raise taxes and find conscripts. But... If you're going to send a small army of enumerators around the country, it must be tempting to ask about an ever wider range of things. What jobs do people do? Any illnesses or disabilities? What languages do they speak? Knowledge is power, as 19th century bureaucrats understood just as well as 21st century platform companies. Yet, with the 1880 census, the bureaucrats had swallowed more data than they could digest. In 1870, they'd asked just five questions. In 1880, they asked 215. It soon became clear that adding up the answers would take years. They'd barely have finished this census when it would be time to start the next one. A lucrative government contract surely awaited anyone who could speed the process up. Young Herman had worked on the 1880 census, so he understood the problem. Herman had decided to seek his fortune by inventing a new kind of brake for trains. As it happened, a train journey helped him solve the census problem instead. Rail tickets were often stolen, so railway companies found an ingenious way to link them to the person who'd bought them. A punch photograph. Conductors used a hole punch to select from a range of physical descriptors – As Hollerith recalled, light hair, dark eyes, large nose, etc. If a dark-haired, small-nosed scoundrel stole your ticket, he wouldn't get far. But after observing this system, Hollerith realised that people's answers to census questions could also be represented as holes in cards. That could solve the problem, because punched cards had been used to control machines since the early 1800s. The jacquard loom wove patterned fabric based on them. All Hollerith needed to do was make a tabulating machine to add up the sensor's punch cards he envisaged. In that piano-like contraption, a set of spring-loaded pins descended on the card. Where they found a hole, they completed an electrical circuit, which moved the appropriate dial up by one. Happily for Hollerith, the bureaucrats were more impressed than his family. They rented his machines to count the 1890 census, to which they'd added yet another 20 questions. Compared to the old system, Hollerith's machines proved years quicker and millions of dollars cheaper. More importantly, they made it easier to interrogate the data. Suppose you wanted to find people aged 40 to 45, married and working as a carpenter. No need to sift through 200 tonnes of paperwork, just set up the machine and run the cards through it. Governments soon saw uses far beyond the census. Across the world, says historian Adam Tooze, bureaucrats were inspired to dream of omniscience. America's first social security benefits were dispersed through punched cards in the 1930s. The following decade, punched cards notoriously helped organise the Holocaust. Businesses, too, were quick to see the potential. (laughs) Insurers used punched cards for actuarial calculations. Utilities for billing. Railways for shipping. Manufacturers to keep track of sales and costs. Hollerith's tabulating machine company did a roaring trade. You may have heard of the firm that, through mergers, it eventually became IBM. It remained a market leader, as punched cards gave way to magnetic storage and tabulating machines to programmable computers. It was still on the list of the world's ten biggest companies a few years ago. But if the power of data was apparent to Hollerith's customers, why did the data economy take another century to arrive? because there's something new about the kind of data that's now being compared to oil. The likes of Google and Amazon don't need an army of enumerators to collect it. We trail it behind us every time we use our phones or ask Alexa to turn the light on. This kind of data is not as neatly structured as the predefined answers to census questions precision-punched into Hollerith's cards. That makes it harder to make sense of but there's unimaginably more of it. And as algorithms improve and more of our lives lived online, the bureaucratic dream is fast becoming corporate reality. We're indebted to James Beniger's book, The Control Revolution. For a full list of our sources, please see bbcworldservice.com slash 50things. Music life. It's just talk about our journeys and how we've got here and what music is to us. Music life. A crowd singing back to you. Yeah. That, to me, is the most satisfying thing. Music life. My favourite thing about music is we can all listen to it and have completely different experience. Music Life. You have to say, okay, right, I do mean this. Music Life. What's going on in this room right now? A brand new podcast from the BBC World Service. I want to talk about how this is ruining your life. Bringing together (laughs) musicians from across the globe. I love this, this is brilliant. (laughs) Talking to each other about how they make their music. When you're just having a good time, you're the most free, there's less pressure Mm. to be like, all right, let me think of something that's going, blow everybody's mind. And why? They do what they do. Everyone knows this track and is vibing to it. And that was just a special feeling. Music Life. I guess this is just my destiny. <laughs> yeah. Just search for Music Life wherever you get your podcasts. I have a secret. I wore the wrong foundation for years. Then I discovered Il Maquillage, the boldest new brand in beauty. With 20,000 five-star reviews and 50 shades of flawless coverage, their Woke Up Like This foundation is a bestseller for a reason. It's tough buying foundation online, but their Power Match quiz matched me perfectly. And with Try Before You Buy, you can try your shade free for fourteen days. Take the quiz at illmaquillage.com slash quiz. That's I L M A K I A G E dot com slash quiz.